0: stop it um would you (laughs) join good morning would you join me in a word of prayer lord jesus we just um, celebrated your victory and we want to acknowledge this morning that you are lord and king and that you are the head of the church and so lord we come to you and ask and um, present ourselves so that you can build your kingdom in our hearts and in our midst. And we pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, would accomplish this morning what you have set out to do. And we offer ourselves for your kingdom to come. In Jesus' name, amen. So good morning. My name is Christoph. Um, I've been here before, I think. Apparently I'm a regular now. Um, Our topic, and I think I'm at the end of the theology series, yes, okay, um, um, is holiness. So the topic this morning is holiness. Now my guess is that some of you just now were thinking, boring, right? <laughs> dull, dusty theology, holiness. Uh, however, some of you probably fail, uh, felt sort of a feigned panic of an incoming guilt trip. Yeah? Perhaps, perhaps even a smidge of despair when it comes to this topic of holiness, because this is how I usually feel when it comes to this topic. Why do I feel this way about holiness? Well, because way back in the book of Leviticus, way back in the Old Testament, God several times says, "Be holy." as I am holy, right? In Leviticus 11, 44, 45, Leviticus 19, Leviticus 20, right? And all the while, the angels roar, holy, holy, holy. Be holy as I am holy. This is a pretty high bar. And then, of course, to make things worse, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, says... Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And just like that, I got you all depressed. (laughs) Right? Right? When we hear stuff like that, what we can think about is how much and how often we fail God. How we don't measure up. He wants me to be holy. Holy. And well, I'm just not. And you might just work through that emotion, right? And hang on to your Christianity somehow. But since you know that you're not capable of this level of perfection, that this is not possible for you, and holiness seems out of your reach, well, you end up not bothering anymore, right? I have enough regrets. Thank you very much. Can I get an amen? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so holiness. Now, I believe there is a profound misunderstanding behind all of this. So I'm preaching to myself, right? When it comes to this topic, this idea of holiness. Because we think holiness means moral perfection. Yeah? That's what we usually think. Spotless integrity, um, pure motives, right? be holy as I am holy, God, is he asking for our best behavior? That's what we're thinking. You see, I think the result of this profound misunderstanding is that it creates a really strange idea about God in our minds. What do I mean? Well, let me ask you this and be honest. Do you think God is a perfectionist? Have you ever thought that God is a perfectionist? Is God like one of those father or mother figures in your life that have left you with deep emotional scars because you can never measure up? Ufta. Yeah, I have to deal with this, and it's even worse when you then turn around and put the stuff on your kids, right? The parents all know what I'm talking about. I hope you're listening by now. Um, Well, is God a perfectionist? Is He demanding unattainable moral perfection from us? Is that what holiness means? Is God setting us up for perpetual failure? Is this a theological setup for us to get saved, to create a demand for the product God, right? That we see our need of Him? I think there's a profound misunderstanding. God is not that kind of God. In fact, I'd like to think that our platonic idea of perfection has little to do with what God is like. How do I know that? Well, first of all, because of Jesus. That's not what we see in him, is it? How he relates to people. Jesus does not put people down for not measuring up, for being morally imperfect, especially not those that know that about themselves, right? about their own poverty of spirit. In fact, the opposite is true when it comes to Jesus. Jesus lifts the least, the last, and the lost. At The same time, he rebukes those who think they are holier than thou. Right? So from Jesus, I see a different picture. But we can also know that, that we have something wrong in our understanding of holiness when it comes to the Old Old Testament, because in the Old Testament, holiness is actually not that moral perfection. And um, that's not associated with the idea of holiness. And I want to dive just a little bit into the Old Testament to have a look at the first three times the word holy appears to get a better idea what the word means. After all, that's the topic I was given. So the first time the word holy, kadash or Kadosh, appears in the Bible is in Genesis 2. So already in chapter 2, where God in Genesis 2 verse 3 sanctifies the seventh day as a day of rest. God makes the seventh day holy. And then in Exodus 20, He tells His people likewise to keep the Sabbath, the day of rest, holy, to keep it, to keep it special. The seventh day is to be set apart, to be devoted for rest. And that's what the word holy means, set apart, different, special. It does not mean perfection. Get this. The Sabbath, the seventh day, is to be kept holy, set apart, in order for us to rest. It's a day that is meant for God, where we can just sit with God, commune with God, belong. It is not a day of doing, it is a day of being. A day for God. A day to just be. Now perfectionism on the other hand, is all about meticulously doing the right thing, constantly, straightening every lopsided picture, pulling every weed you see, getting every little spot clean, keeping the right rules. Straighten up, boy. Right? Perfectionism is something you can never finish or attain, a task that cannot be fulfilled or finished. You're never able to rest when it comes to perfection. And so perfectionism is not at all about being. It is restless. How wrong we get this? Keeping the Sabbath holy, the first time that word appears in the Bible, teaches us that holiness is not about doing. It is about the opposite, about resting, about being, about devotion to God second time, the word holy appears in the Bible, is in Exodus 3, which is the passage about the burning bush. Now, this is one of the more important passages in the Old Testament, a key scene where God reveals himself to humankind. We meet Moses, the failed prodigy and former prince of Egypt, shepherding a bunch of sheep and smelly goats on the backside of the desert the failure and screw up that he is, right? And there he sees a bush and that is on fire, but it does not burn up. So he goes to check it out. And then it says in Exodus 3, starting in verse 4, when the Lord, when Yahweh saw that he turned aside to look, God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, Do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Holy ground. This is the second time that this word holy appears in the Old Testament. And notice, Moses is told to take off his sandals. And the sandals are made of leather, and they are presumably quite dusty. Why? It doesn't say, but probably because the place where God dwells is a place, a space, where filth and death cannot exist. And so again, this is not about perfection. This is about not being consumed by the God of life and light, in whose presence mirth and death cannot be, which is something that God then goes to teach through Exodus and Leviticus. But note what is interesting here is that holiness is linked with the idea of location, with space, with space that is so inundated, so drenched with God that Moses has to get rid of the things of this world in order to approach. Because where God is, space becomes special. The normal is not okay anymore. So hold on to this idea that space and holiness are linked, that they're connected. Because the next passage, the third one, where the Old Testament has a lot to say about holiness, makes this really strong, this link. And this is, of course, where the Bible now starts describing the tabernacle and then later the temple, the place where God dwells in the midst of this people. And so Exodus and Leviticus have a lot to say about holiness. Now, God, the Holy One, wants to live and be with His people in their midst. But any place, as we now learn from the bush, where God dwells becomes special, becomes holy ground. It becomes, therefore, dangerous for sinful people. And Exodus and Leviticus lay out pretty elaborate descriptions of how you can now live close to a God who is holy, both in terms of space and behavior. But the crucial thing we learn here is that the closer you get to God, the holier it gets. The place where God is closest, above the Ark of the Covenant, behind the curtain, which is a barrier, right? Behind that space is called the holy of holiest. The place in front of the curtain is called the holy place. right, and that's where the menorah is and the showbread, the the lampstand. And then there's outside of the tent, and then outside of the camp, there's levels, holiness decreases as you move away from the holiest of holiest. And so what is made very concrete in this, very interesting sort of lesson to look at and experience, is that the closer you get to God, the holier it gets. So holiness has something to do with proximity. There can be more and less of it. They are degrees of holiness. So when we see holiness in a tabernacle, it has nothing to do with perfection, but with a kind of cleanliness or a specialness or devotion that is appropriate to the proximity you have with God. So this at the very least should mean that you can be holy without being perfect. There are levels here. Holiness is not an absolute term, and it certainly does not mean moral perfection. And to solidify that in your mind, or to my my own mind, really, let me give you one final example from the New Testament. Think of Paul's letters for a moment, right? He writes lots of letters, and he often addresses the people he's writing to as saints, as holy ones, Now think of the saints in Corinth for a moment. Paul says to the Corinthians in verse 2 of 1 Corinthians 1 that they have been sanctified, made holy in Christ Jesus, and are saints by calling the Corinthians. These idle, meat-eating, disunited, infighting, out of control, chandelier-swinging, proud, fornicating sinners saints. Holiness does not mean moral perfection. It means devotion. So so now, now comes the most important thing about holiness, so you can tune back in now. (laughs) This is also in Leviticus, the place where I started out and I got you all depressed. Um, Because in Leviticus, God has a lot to say and teach about holiness. Yes, it is here that he tells us to be holy for I am holy. But he also says this, I will make you holy. That's in verse chapter 20, 21, 22. God makes us holy. So be holy does not mean make yourself perfect. It might mean taking off some sandals as we approach or offering a sacrifice when necessary, but that is something we do as required when He tells us to do that. But notice, when we draw near to be with Him, He is the one who makes the provisions for us to come closer. He is the one who makes us holy. And that is, of course, the sacrifice of sprinkling on blood, and all of the entire sacrificial system then, the whole temple worship business, um, where God makes provisions for us to be with Him, for us to come close. And for us as Christians, that means the blood of the Lamb, which we just celebrated, the blood you drank that cleanses you to make you ready for God to dwell, right? Where God covers over your death with his life. And that's not an external thing anymore. It's internal. It's on the inside. God desires to make us holy from the inside out. And so the massive implication when it comes to this topic of holiness is that it is an increasing thing in our hearts when the Holy One dwells there. God exudes holiness Holiness is given. The space gets more and more sanctified, made more holy when and where God dwells. As you move closer, it gets warmer. Right? It's like a fire. And so the command, be holy, really is a promise. The command is a promise. You will be holy if you dwell with me for I will make you holy." And the word make you holy, means process. It is not about perfection. It's about devotion. Be holy means receive increasing degrees of my holiness, for I am holy, and I dwell in your midst. The God who is intrinsically in himself holy will make you more and more holy. So holiness is derived, it's given. It rubs off if you stay close. And it's a process, a journey. The closer you are, the more you journey, the holier it will be. So the invitation then is to come closer, to rest. Be holy is an invitation to be with God and let Him deal with the sandals and sores of our lives. It's not about perfectionism at all. God is not a perfectionist. God does not rush in and straighten every lopsided picture in the sitting room of your heart. Have you discovered that? So why do we put that on ourselves? He is okay to come into your mess and journey with you and increasingly, step by step, make you holy. So why not just rest from our perfectionism? Just be. I need to learn this. Allow Him to love me. Allow Him to love you. You are accepted because God is love. He will take it. He will take it from here. After all, He is the Savior. So, to wrap things up, how does God make you holy? How does this happen? Well, it ain't difficult. It happens when you dwell with Jesus when you abide, when you sit with Him, through communion with Him, through the ruthless elimination of hurry, you heard that before, by being with Jesus in the wilderness, through the good old-fashioned quiet time. You, Jesus, no agenda, a cup of coffee or two, right? No to-do list. Just be with Him. Don't you yearn for that? I don't know if you just heard me right. I'm not telling you to read the Bible for the sake of having read the Bible. Check, done that, move on. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that you should rest with Jesus. It means just come and commune with Jesus. To wait on Him. To talk to Him. To let Him speak to you it might actually mean at times to stop reading the Bible when he starts speaking. Because beyond the sacred page, we look for him, right? In Hebrews 12, it says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of faith, the pioneer and completer of faith. Jesus is the one who works on us. He starts it and he brings it to completion. He is the one who perfects us, makes us holy. Jesus, the master craftsman, actually enjoys that process, believe it or not. Perhaps we should learn to enjoy the process too, rather than being depressed that we're not the finished product yet, or that things just went pear-shaped. Maybe it would be good to just stay with Him and choose to cooperate and let Him perfect us. To let Him be and do what you cannot be and do on your own. Give up your self-sufficiency, your perfectionism, and learn to trust Him after all as you all know life salvation comes through trusting jesus john 20 says by believing you may have life in his name and this is a process a journey of christ dwelling in you and so holiness is of course as the song says christ in you you don't get holiness by pursuing it as a thing perfecting it as a virtue through self-discipline, it is Jesus. Him you need to be with, abide with. And I'm saying nothing new here, hopefully not. And when you do, when you abide with him, holiness is something that just happens when God shares himself. It's like a byproduct. So hear what Jesus says to you this morning. I am holy, be holy. For I will make you holy. Amen.